Hello everyone. Welcome to Supermarketers. I'm your host Sairam Krishnan, Head of Marketing at Atomic Work. Supermarketers is my attempt to go behind the scenes of great marketing folks and learn from what they do well. So welcome. Before we get into this episode, please remember to sign up for my marketing newsletter, The CMO Journal. That's the cmojournal.com. More than 3000 marketers and founders already do, and a lot of the ideas from this podcast will find their way there. Plus there's updates and other exclusive content. This is a special episode because it's the recording of my interview on the Startup Operator podcast with Roshan Karyappa. Roshan is a friend and I've been listening to his show for some time now. When he wanted me to come on and talk about my career and learnings, I just had to. This is that episode and I'm happy to bring it to my listeners. I hope you enjoy it. Also a reminder that Supermarketers is brought to you by Social Pilot, the highly rated social media management tool. Use the code SUPER30 for a month long free trial on all plans. The code I repeat is SUPER30. And with that, here's my conversation with Roshan on the Startup Operator podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Sai. It's been a long uh, cherished dream of mine to have you on the pod, so thanks for making it. Hey, thanks Roshan. Thank you for inviting me and I'm very happy to be here. It's been a while since we've I think we've been talking about doing something like this, so very yeah, happy. Yeah. No, so Sai and I go back and forth on marketing stuff, uh, you know, quite often. So this is not going to be very different from the conversations no. we have anyway. It's just that we record this, right? So Sai, there are many places I think, you know, you can start, right? We're looking at your experience, but I think the defining sort of experience of the last, you know, 10, 15 years for you has been the Freshworks stint where you were perhaps employee number 10 or 12. I was eight. Eight. Okay. <laughs> perhaps the first or second marketing person in the team. Second. Uh, certainly the first uh, content writer, content marketer in the team. And given... how freshworks did a lot of these things on first principles and how it scaled beautifully right starting from those very humble beginnings i think you have the sort of enviable position of having seen all of that you know from that kernel to you know what it is right now like a behemoth what were the early early days like fun also the thing is the early freshworks team was a very very serious solid team mm-hmm. i didn't have to think much also because it's not like i knew anything i was also a fresher but then there was so much to learn from that team that i could just imbibe and just do stuff with girish there was also like shrilesh he was also very experienced marketer like he led uh, freshworks australia later like extremely competent extremely uh, good to work with guys i now work with you know some of them again and so i don't think the learnings were so much that i knew that i was learning i was just there seeing oh this is what work looks like oh this is what marketing looks like and and so on and suddenly after a point i knew things and i think it was just a privilege i i mean i wouldn't change it for the world i, I was just lucky yeah there's no other word for it yeah that's the best you know when you learn through osmosis yeah. right i mean i remember my first startup stint as well i mean i think i learned a ton of things just being the dumbest kid yeah. in the room yeah. and just absorbing these lunchroom conversations i don't know i mean and, and it was 2008 2009 i think similar circumstances right seeing the financial crisis unfold between uh, you know in front of us and having to make sense of the world right having to put it all together such a crazy experience but what was the energy like you know i mean did you guys really think that you were out to build something humongous because agresh obviously is one of those really ambitious founders right he seems like the kind of guy who knew what he wanted yeah. to do maybe like 20 years back right but what was the energy in the room that time the energy was that of inevitability i think and i i don't think i've articulated it this way before but it was there it in the sense that 
this was a serious team which knew exactly what it wanted to do which knew the market really well so uh, see again the freshworks team was a very very experienced team they knew the market really well they knew what they were building they knew that the saas wave was upon us they knew how these products were built they had built it before at zoho like all of them were zoho like i was the only first non zoho hire and which meant that there was an air of inevitability which was which in when a hindsight is very funny because i don't think it was ever a thought at least in my head that we weren't going somewhere it was not a startup in that strictest sense of that word like we always knew that there is we are going somewhere and that somewhere i didn't know how to articulate it nor did i know what that was but just because you were in that room you understood that something special is going on though i had no idea how to like talk about it or even explain it but there was a an air of certainty yeah, yeah. right that you know we will make something yeah 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 Yeah. What was it like working with Grish at that time and you know you are probably still in touch with him you guys are close how was it like in the early days working with him right because he was then a founder and you know managing 10 or 12 people in the even then was he like you know uh, how he is seen right now as an icon and so on i mean what are like two or three things you learned from him yes he was always like that i mean we were we, like i used to be able to like you know text him like marketing problems i was having every once in a while but now like he's very busy it's a public company like there's like lots of things going on i like i can't speak to him as and when i want like i used to but like he was it, it this is not new to us like the fact that he knows so much and he's able to like keep crowds at sway like the charisma is always there this this isn't new i remember shilesh like the person i spoke about the marketing head later head of freshworks australia he once took a picture of girish at very early at a small like gathering we were having and he said i'm going to keep this picture because in 10 years we're going to be like big people and then i won't get time with girish i mean obviously shilesh can get time with girish wherever he wants but this was always there like we always knew that this is somebody really really special just the fact that we had access to him at that level and i could like learn so much by being there what did i learn from him lot actually yeah like firstly people management like i don't think there exists at least somebody i have seen of that caliber of people management of somebody who knew how to attract absolutely brilliant talent and keep them really really happy give them problems to solve and get out of the way shikhar kirani once said uh, shikhar kirani excel partner like hugely successful uh, investor who was our investor at freshworks and he used to say that a mark of a great manager was people who would like people would want to work with them over and over again and they would just like this is like that like people want to work with him over and over again and that tells you the kind of manager he was i think the empathy part of it like we talk about it now as if it's like a whole new thing i think it's a very commonsensical part of like leadership that you have to know what your people are interested in and you know how to lead them what a certain like i would like to think my think of myself as a creative marketer like what does i think about like is he having trouble can you look at his face and figure out should i send him off on a holiday so all of those things he was adept at that like it's natural and like i used to say girish is like such an like basically he knew how to do things like if you tried to like take a process of framework out of it you would fail because that's not how he is like he just knows and so he just got like ha okay he's a playing in a different field altogether no i think as a manager right i mean it depends on the level of 
responsibility you assume i suppose right i mean at one level you can assume responsibility for the work your team does at another level you could assume responsibility for their careers and perhaps maybe at a fundamental level you can assume responsibility for their life in part at least and depending on that i mean you will be able to influence them you know significantly to make them do whatever has to be done right and and beyond that also inspire them to do that uh, kind of work i suppose before we move on you know from freshworks right any interesting anecdotes that come to mind from those days Oh, there's like a bunch of them. A lot of things. Like I remember during the early days, we had this office in Kirkatlai, which is now like a pretty bustling suburb. It wasn't at that time, 2011, and we had like two rooms, and that was all. Like it was like two rooms, very small office. It was actually the first floor, and it was right behind a Protestant church. And we couldn't work on Saturdays, and sometimes, sometimes because I'd be like, you know, the choir would be out and all of that. Join the masses. Yeah, and be like, okay, what do we do? So, but then the thing was, there is like there are pictures of that time even now that I sometimes find on my laptop, like my old. Uh, so I actually have all my notebooks. This is something that I do at work. I actually have all my notebooks from every single place I've worked at in order. So I know what I'm doing oh. on like 13th May, um, you know, 2012 at Freshworks uh, because I've written that down and it's there in a notebook. And now I've labeled them one, two, three, and all that. So I know when that the internet went out and we couldn't know what the, what to do there. And so there's this particular picture I really like. It's a table. I think Girish is trying to like do something to the wires over there, and I'm underneath the table trying to like do something. And I don't know who took that picture. I have that picture, and so there's a bunch of stuff. Like you think that this is now such a big company; it's created so much value, so many careers, you know. And once upon a time, it was like eight people in a room in which the internet wouldn't work, and you know, we, I'd have to like go down on my knees and sort of like try to figure out where the problem was. Girish was never like not game to do such things. Like he was very happy to be part of the team. I think this is one of the things that I think he misses being part of the team team so much. I think you give that up as you sort of go along in a as you sort of become like a CEO. At, at that level, also a public company CEO. That's a whole different ball game altogether. No, I think the early days, man. There's just some magic to it, yeah. right? I mean, when you look back, you kind of think of it with such nostalgia. Yeah. And also, it's so inspiring, right? That you know, eight people in a room could you know become a public company, mm -hmm. you know, worth billions of dollars uh, someday, list on Nasdaq, and cause so much of wealth as well, right? So yeah, fantastic. So I personally believe that this whole SaaS wave that we're on. I mean, has has been like 20, 30 years in the making, right? Starting, I mean, if you trace it back to perhaps, you know, IT services and so on, right? We've been building all of these solutions in the back end. I mean, we have somehow, you know, traversed that long, arduous journey to actually front-ending some of these applications, building products, right? And I think we've learned how to build the products, right? I mean, engineering product skills. I think we are learning how to sell and market yeah, yeah. these products, right? And I think that's the next interesting level of evolution for us. What was marketing like in 2010, right? SaaS marketing. And how has that changed over the last decade or so? You know, I mean, today, I suppose it's a very yeah. different ballgame. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it often, yeah. right? But when you look back at the last decade, how has marketing changed? Yeah, so this is a conversation we've had, no, Roshan? Like, it's changed dramatically. And also, with like, it's changing now as we speak. AI is changing the game if Google says that SEO results show up as answers, both yours and my strategies go for like absolute toss. Like, what do we do now? What does that look like? Does that mean it costs more? We don't know. Does that mean SEO pages are not as valuable anymore? We don't know. So let's roll back. 2010, 2011, 2012, and this is a period of time. So that I always believe, and I think this is probably not my own like formulation of, the, of, of this. I probably have read it somewhere, but uh, I agree with it, is that 
a certain kind of business is also a product of a certain kind of time. I think in 2011, 2012, when you know the Freshworks and Wingifiers of the world were just about starting, the first gears were being put in place. What happened was there was a time when you could buy ads, for example, which were relatively way cheaper then. SEO was at a place where you could actually not game. I'm I'm not going to say game. You could actually produce something of value. There was a process and a method. Yes, to it. there was a method to it. Exactly, that's that's the correct articulation. So there was a process and a method to getting in front of customers. eyes and we were at the point where all of these things were exactly there for growth to happen and that wave i think lasted till about 2016 2017 in which you could if you could spin up a great product which actually had value there was a way to get it to market without thinking about a lot of innovation in the marketing itself there was a playbook and the playbook could be applied like i've written those playbooks i have applied those playbooks and it was the same playbook i applied later for pushcrew which was a wingify product it was not dramatically different from what we did in 2012 2013 however in 2016 2017 that changed because one is the aws wave a lot of people could spin up products very very quickly could make products quickly which meant that there were as many products and engineers are smart people so they can make great products so what happens is there's a glut of these products on the market and then the innovation has to happen in the marketing about how you have to get it in front of people before that you had a playbook that playbook was applied now the playbook is not it's not that the playbook doesn't apply completely anymore but a lot of it has become table stakes it's just that much harder yes and it's that much harder to get it in front of people so therefore i think 2018 2019 was the first time people start telling like really dramatic stories to have this idea of hey this is a product that we should look at to get it in front of people and then obviously there was operationally you have to be really efficient and excellent it's not like you weren't expected to be efficient or you know uh, you weren't like using marketo hubspot and like making sure that your lead scoring was great before but then after that all of this also became table stakes if you weren't doing it you were at a disadvantage so i think about by 2018 2019 2020 like this was where we were all were like we had to do everything that was already there plus we had to do all of this as well which meant that for the first time especially in india at least when we were selling to the world it was a shift for founders also top executives also to understand that marketing is also as complicated now as engineering this is a conversation i have they're like a founder might ask sai should i hire this person or this person and i say what is their specialization and and even today some founders are like how does that matter a marketer is a marketer and i say no a front end engineer is not a back end engineer is not an architect similarly when seo marketer is not a brand marketer like is not an operation specialist these are completely different things because each one of these have their own tools have their own ecosystems to sort of learn and that was 2020 2021 and now with ai we are at a completely different pace of change altogether now all of that is table stakes plus the ground under our feet is moving this is a conversation you and i had last time when we spoke i think that one do we know how these changes impact the production of the things that we were already were supposed to produce yes i think by now you should have a grasp of those things we have sure like things are changing but you can adapt to that however i don't think we marketers have adapted yet to how the discoverability has shifted from like people are discovering things on like chatgpt then bard looks completely different google search looks completely different now all of these things have to be taken into account this is a problem that you and i have to sit and pore over uh, okay if this is shifted should i do an seo page at all i don't know the answer to that question so that's where marketing has shifted across a lot of the things that were considered state of the art in 2013 even 
2014 even like our absolute table stakes like you just have to do them and you might not even move an inch because of those things the market just expects you to do them because that's that's your core of like okay you're a product that's the recognition you will get by doing those things however can you get to success that's a completely different game yeah very well sort of summarized right i mean i think the entire game has changed over the last 10 years from discoverability discoverability to engagement uh, and beyond right i mean i kind of liken it to the way slack's messaging has changed over the last decade or so you know they used to say no email earlier yeah. and uh, perhaps uh, run those ads on zero inbox and stuff like that right and somewhere they became the workspace yeah, for remote yeah, 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 yeah. right and today they're saying uh, quite a different thing with the salesforce acquisition and so on right it's very different uh, that way you know and i think we've all had to sort of up our skills a lot of things have become table stakes and and to be honest you know this whole chat gpt and ai revolution i'm really grappling with it right at this point of time because what we are thinking of is hey can we use those tools to provide you know produce a, a good first version of a pr release like a good first version of a, an ad copy a good first version of social media stuff and there are tools right i mean there are there's like copy ai jasper etc i mean there's just plenty of these tools that uh, you know one can use to start working with it and then you will also have to fundamentally rethink the roles of every person on your team right because if the person was doing some 100% of that work and you know maybe 50 60% of that person's work is like yeah. keying in a command on some search console right how will that person evolve you know i mean they have to now think about you know accelerating or compressing the next two years is learning yeah. and graduate there faster so as this is conversation very interesting that you put it this way conversation was having with somebody about content marketing because that's my sort of core where i built my career from i had 5 6 years to like tilt with learn make mistakes and get to a point where i where i thought okay now i can think of myself as good at this that time does not exist for somebody who wants to do that now it's just not there you're competing with a machine yeah now. machine how can you like it, it, it's it, it's you can't scale like that it's yeah. just not possible yeah it's incredible actually content led growth right i mean that is something i think that you've sort of specialized in right i mean even at freshworks you were the first content marketer as such but that game has changed quite a bit right i mean then perhaps i mean it was writing those blogs those articles and so on a for you know people who are looking for similar products to get some knowledge and maybe like get in the funnel for you right b to probably help users of the product to understand more about the product and maybe you know you could trigger some kind of upsell cross sell whatever to those folks but from there right from that very sort of tactical transactional sort of a purpose it's evolved to now creating narratives building communities and so on and so forth right and it's come a long way man so i i wonder how you think about content led growth i still believe in it but the bar of quality is now so high for example at atomic work we have to talk to very senior hr and it professionals the bar of the quality is already high because you're talking to heads of like departments already however the content that they get from everywhere is just again like ai generated hey, here are five ways to do this now how do you stand out in front of these people like nobody does not want to get better at their job like they all want this content they're just not going to waste their time looking for it so one is how do you produce something that's so valuable that they're going to stop in their tracks and it will actually help them so in the big there's this great book called utility y o u t i l i t y utility by this by an marketing guru called j bear i read it a long time ago freshworks time i still have the copy 
and he said that a lot of great marketing is about helping your prospective customers it's the same thing content has to help your customers in some way now if that means and we did used to do this at fresh work sometimes early fresh desk we sometimes would say if, if you have this big support agent base maybe we are not the correct per- people for you you could look at these we were absolutely okay with that and that earned trust for us with a lot of customers which meant that when we had scaled the product to a level where we could easily compete with all these other players they were very happy to come to us as well again because they thought hey if these people are ready to send us to the competitors so that we could get our jobs done well like i'll trust them so same way with that you have to get to that level where people trust you with their intelligence to sit down and say okay if they do something or if they say something this has value how do you build that that's credibility that's brand you have to do this over a period of time if you do one thing and then go back again to you know ai enabled content you're done for so that's the difference i think the bar is just so so higher like you can't even imagine how high especially the higher you go up the value chain no i think you know four or five years back this whole listicle craze yeah, yeah, started yeah. right i mean four ways to do this 20 ways to do something else and what not and it was so clear right the the purpose of that was to push you into the funnel yes. basically have a lead form there have a exit intent whatever whatever mm-hmm. let's figure a way to get this guy's email id right and then drip him you know ad nauseum so that uh, at some point i mean he says okay you know what at least to get you off my back i'm going to yeah, like yeah, yeah. do something about it right but that has changed dramatically where today you know it's a lot more about storytelling about building narrative about what you stand for all of these things that you know we thought large companies are yeah. supposed to do right yeah. i mean where you know you have 50 60 member marketing teams and someone yeah. is full time thinking about hey who we are what we do and stuff but that is a kind of thinking that you know you're you're having to do as an early team as well today right i mean in terms of really standing out from the market because as we discussed all of the other stuff whether it's performance marketing whether it's website seo etc everything is table stakes right and uh, how are you going to stand out this is the only way to sort of stand out and again we'll talk about atomic work also but i think it's very interesting how you're approaching this at atomic work right which is you've decided to do that early on rather than you know approach something like a podcast even right or building thought leadership content and stuff you know rather than approaching it later you're looking at it right now right in the initial stages where you know everyone is pipeline crazy every everything is demand focused and stuff right which is very interesting i, th- I think it's very calculated and it is a response to everything that we just spoke about how do we do marketing in a way that's actually one valuable again and we are actually speaking to the people that we want to speak to that's one part of it and the other part of it is like how do you stand apart quickly which is very important as a startup you are trying to get in front of audiences who are already saturated who want nothing to do with a new company coming and trying to sell them something so how do you make them want you one is of course the product see you cannot run away from the product we are in every way the product is the making of us all like that cannot be like removed from the equation however the way we articulate it and the way we put it in front of prospective customers is up to us and the sooner the better there are two three things we thought about at atomic work one is that we had to build a brand we knew what problem we were trying to solve which is like employee experience is broken it needs to be fixed and needs to be fixed from the perspective of the employee and it needs to be easy for the company to sort of put it in front of the employee so that they are happy so it needs to be both ways the company needs to be happy with the product and they need to be they know that the employee is also happy and the employee needs to be happy with the experience he is getting because the company is using this product 
So very simple. It's not that complicated. So we need to communicate this. Now, how do you communicate this? Firstly, the product needs to be a certain way. And the second thing is we are speaking to these people who know about this problem. And this problem existed for a long time. We've spoken about this. When I joined Atomic Work, I told you, you, you go into a system on an onboarding for a, for a new company that you join and your pay slips come from somewhere. You raise a ticket for a mouse. It, it's in some other system. All of this. And like there's one other system for travel, one other system for like something else and so on. It sucks. You don't want to do all of that, but that's also that also becomes part of the job. In like a huge company that sucks away so many manners. So that's a problem to be solved. So now when you speak to these people who are actually involved in this, HR leaders, IT leaders, HR leaders want the problem to be solved for their employees. IT leaders want to solve that problem, have no idea how to do it, are thinking about it. So we spoke to them. And as we speak, we get different granularities of the problem, nuances to the problem itself. That's a great conversation to have. That's part of what the podcast is about. And you also get to speak to prospective customers, right? These are our prospective customers. We get to speak to them. They know what we are. We're building that brand. Then as we write, the content part of Atomic Work is like very high quality writing about this problem itself, sure, but also about how other companies are solving aspects of this problem. How a certain company is solving onboarding, how another company is solving, for example, travel, like how they are like, you know, trying to make it easy for their employees this to do something. This is a classic example of if you want to sell cameras, talk about beautiful photography, yeah. right? Yeah, it's more or less it. Like that. That's, that's, that's probably the easiest way to sort of summarize it. However, again, the thing is we are not selling. I'm not interested in selling. I want my prospective customers of Atomic Work to look at it and say, hey, this is a problem I have. I want to see what these guys are doing and then come to us. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to interrupt their day. I don't want to interrupt their workflow. I don't want to interrupt and go and say, hey, please come on a call with us. You know, I'll show you a demo. No, I want them to want the demo because one, the product should be so good. And then I've communicated that the product is so good that they have to pay attention. That's it. Yeah. No, I think we underestimate to what degree our prospects want to be wooed, right? You can't just show up with your yeah. product and like place it on the table and it's kind of like dating a girl, right? I mean, you can't Absolutely. get to it immediately, right? So you will have to do a little bit of courtship and that courtship takes all these different forms, right? And to my mind, I think the podcast is such a low-hanging fruit that a lot of people should be trying it. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, um, A, you get a meeting with your prospect, right? You have a beautiful, uh, you know, one-hour conversation with them, which is so much more meaningful than just, you know, one of those discovery calls Absolutely. where you run them through a checklist of things that you want to know and then... You know, it's very transactional, right? And B, I mean, at an early stage, really discovering that problem, right? What is the problem? Because I think at the early stage, you're still running with a hypothesis. Until you have what, 10, 15, 20 customers, you're running with a hypothesis, right? You think this is a particular problem, but you have to really flesh it out, right? And who better to tell you about that problem than prospects? So B, in really understanding the problem itself is just a... Fantastic thing, you know. You're absolutely spot on also because like I'll underline that point that you made. It's not as if we know that we immediately know we're building the product. We can't know that all the nuances of what the customers want. The more conversations you have in different settings. So product team obviously has like a bunch of conversations with prospects going on, like this deep conversation they are having. But that's one part of how they are thinking about it. Now, if I have 15 conversations that I can plug in and they, and they can also look at, there's another aspect of the same problem approaching approached from a different angle. So the more you talk, you fine-tune the problem to an extent that you understand the nuances of all of this. Everything feeds into the product. No, I think this is where marketing can be more than marketing, right? I mean, 
uh, so much more really because now you define the quality of the problem that you're solving you define the market itself right and and you in some sense you define the destiny of the company itself right whether you want to go down this route or this route now all of this leads up to what the cool kids are calling community building right mm-hmm. where you know you have 100 maybe 1000 i don't know how many people right who really swear by your product who believe in the mission that uh, you're on and who just want to partake in everything that you do right building this sort of tight knit community where sales sort of becomes incidental in that sense i don't know too many folks who have done this really well right inorganically right organically i think you know there are cults forming in different spheres as we speak but inorganically with like a purpose driven sort of a strategy to inducing people to following you and like swearing by you i am not sure if there are too many examples i can think of at the top of my head right mm-hmm. i mean people talk about apple but apple is a 50 year story in the right. making right i mean and apple started at a time where you know obviously it was new and novel and exciting and everything right i don't know if you know how it would fare now in yeah. today's world right with so much of noise so many options and what not but yeah i mean how do you think about community building or is it even important at this point of time or is it something that you know people should probably look at later in the once they have like 50 customers yeah. 60 customers or something of that sort yeah one of the first conversations i had with my boss ceo of atomic work vijayapati was this community we were talking i i think we once before i joined this we spoke into the night about you know what we were trying to do if we were going to build a community whether we were going to build a community and so on and the answer to that question is also our answer to you know sort of what you asked at the end i think it all starts with the product depends what you're selling if you're actually selling solution to a very important problem that a lot of people are passionate about and is tied up to their advancement at work plus something that they are interested in then yes that's space there i think their advancement at work i think that's the golden line right there right no absolutely like i think uh, one of my sort of like basic things of positioning is when people ask say how do we position this who do we position it for and one of my favorite sort of like frameworks is who will be the person who will present it at the annual review meeting will present the implementation of your product at the annual review meeting and say give me a promotion that's your icp absolutely i think we severely underestimate again how much of marketing is to individuals yeah right you have to sort of change or rather you have to change the lives of that one person the champion in in a customer organization very tangibly right that person should get a promotion you know their life should become a lot more chill right and yeah we've seen this at vimo as well i mean or routinely our champions get that uh, yes. you know, promotion or like get higher responsibilities and so on yeah and so if that's the that's your icp that's who you build your community around as well and the problem that they are facing may also be the topic around which you build your community now it's not about say we should the word community sometimes i think over abused you're not trying to build a place what you're trying to build is a group of people who are aligned on a certain thing it can exist anywhere it can be an abstract thing it can be events that you do that pulls in a lot of people together to talk about it and and the only thing is you shouldn't sell at that time if you're going in trying to build a community around a certain thing thinking that okay this is a marketing tactic that i'm going to do you'll find yourself feeling at the very first step the idea is to help the idea is to build something that's organic that's of their own accord that that comes up of its own like you know energy and if it doesn't happen it means something else is off like either 
as you said like it probably is not aligning with the advancement that they are looking for it's probably not aligned with what their goals are at work and so on or you have like then the other thing could be or you haven't given them a safe space yeah the community has to be built around something way more than the product yes. right or even the problem that you're trying yes. to solve it has to matter at at that you know a uh, fundamental level for these folks to get passionate about right i mean and think about whatever it is that you are passionate about the clubs you belong to or the stuff that you are interested in right i mean you don't get i don't know i mean you don't get passionate about a particular type of racket or yeah yeah absolutely absolutely get passionate about maybe badminton or tennis yeah. or whatever it is the game the sport. great example is uh, inbound the event now does hubspot have a community i'm pretty sure they do of like marketers and stuff but the thing is i see myself as part of the community but not part of any space one of the first things i told uh, vijay when i was joining was hey i'll go to like inbound every year because i consider myself part of that faction of people who are who think that we should do sort of pull marketing in which people want to come to us and not so much push them towards something this is something that i've been reading hubspot has been doing since 2013 2014 and i've i've drank that cool aid and now i'm part of that community of people so if we can replicate that kind of thing for atomic work like we are trying but again the trying part comes from the fact that it ha- why are we trying we can put up a space and say hey community no we are trying because it has to be useful like it has to give something not something it has to give everything back to the people who are part of it and then there's a success yeah and there's no grand design to this also right i mean just run a few events talk to people maybe you know have some whatsapp groups or you know other you know channels or whatever where people can talk about this as simple as that and don't expect that you know they will be as passionate about this yeah. to begin with right you will have to seed a lot of these conversations you'll have to make it fun you'll have to make it a safe space like sai mentioned and so on and it'll it'll compound man i mean uh, that's what we are seeing with our very small community as well right i mean 10 becomes 15 15 becomes 30 40 whatever and and this kind of keeps rolling on right and there are so many like second degree advantages to having this 50 even 50 100 Absolutely. member Absolutely. group Absolutely. for instance i mean if you have webinars coming up you're sorted right i mean you can definitely pull one of them from this group right if you want to quickly do a dip test i'm i'm doing an event in mumbai you know is uh, i don't know 3rd september better or like 15 september better or this venue better or that venue better or this activity better that activity better rather than do do it in your you know room of like all marketing nerds right i mean you can actually test it with the prospect and get real feedback right so it's just absolutely invaluable no Super spot on spot on spot on the only thing like i think that explains everything that needs to be explained the only thing that i will add and i'll underline again is that which is something that you said also roshan like don't be like i need 100 people you know to happen by this month end you know 1000 people should be there if i don't have 5000 people it's a failure no like we are b2b saas people if i get if you are like in a high ticket size product like a large ticket size product you don't need 2000 3000 people like take the problem to the people who who's it's actually solving something for right take the product to the people who's actually something uh, solving something for and if that happens you just need like three people five people to be convinced by it and yeah. therefore don't start running behind what i call like ankurwariko numbers like obviously he is speaking to a general audience you are not speaking to a general audience yeah. you are speaking to a particular you are speaking to a particular sort of fraction of a fraction you are not selling a time management yeah, course yeah absolutely 
there's just so many pet peeves with marketing i want to talk about a few of them i know we talk about this yeah, also yeah. but i i'm going to give you my top 3 and then you can like perhaps i mean i'll talk about one and then you can flip right i mean so we'll do that uh, my number one pet peeve about marketing is dashboards man i mean it just drives me nuts actually people want to quantify the hell out of everything and they want to show everything on a spreadsheet or a dashboard and uh, I think it's a bizarre overcorrection from the time when you know people ran those TV series yeah, yeah, yeah. you know billboards and just rolled the dice and say chalega chalo like you know th- this will work right digital yes i mean you know you would uh, love to know where that last mile goes right where the last dollar goes and yeah you want to track the shit out of everything your website traffic where your uh, prospect had a had his last meal at everything right but i think there's just so much of fatigue you know and yeah. people have to get the heads out of the dashboard sometime to think about common sense things right like this whole community thing for example right having 10 or 15 people is better than zero and if you're going to wait for this magical time when 100 people are going to happen and then you know exactly the amount you spend will be returned in some form i mean that's not going to happen right i mean it's it's a lot of analysis paralysis mm-hmm. and i feel like engineering serendipity is one of the key things that marketing does you know and all of this might sound like some kumbaya or something but believe me i mean i think you know both of us have some kind of pipeline targets right i mean we're we're talking beyond pipeline right and and that's very important because so much of marketing has become table stakes as i mentioned like everyone really expects pipeline from marketing everyone expects leads and opportunities and all of those things but it's really what you do beyond that right that uh, really matters and to me i think dashboard thinking is just super short sighted i mean there is a place for it but i think people really have to get their heads out of it yeah i That's agree pet peeves I, i i agree completely and i think i have been lucky every single time like i think with all founders i've worked with my bosses girish paras of wingify and uh, vijay i don't think i've ever had that problem i don't, i don't think that that was something that they were very interested in i think we've spoken about how we should work with ceos who get marketing and like i've been lucky that way the conversations with vijay never go to numbers generally you know it's always about okay is this problem being solved okay we are here with this the community initiative what are we doing here you know is there movement there okay like do you have space enough to move here why because we are early we understand we are early and what that gives you is time but what that also tells you is that there is a lot of time to build towards all of these things you can't and i've written about this several times you can't measure anything unless you've put in a significant amount of reps yeah, right absolutely works with the gym works with everywhere yeah. you've gone like three days to the gym you can't start measuring it like that's not how you do like go to the gym for like three months then think about what the hell is you know happening with your body same way people are people will write like two blogs put up one webinar and be like you know content marketing doesn't, doesn't work, work. i'm like what have you done like i like you know this i've written um, uh, you know my marketing newsletter for 3 years now and it's only now getting to around like 5000 subscribers now the, the reason again is that there aren't that many b2b marketers sitting around you know waiting to read i will not get ankurwariko numbers there's a general audience and there's a different audience so same way with us when you measure be very aware of what you're measuring and why you're measuring like i'll just add like one last point before we move on is that a lot of times uh, this happened to me also we start measuring because we had like ways to measure stuff we like hey, this is great let's measure stuff we'll measure stuff and then we won't do anything with it and that's a great you know number to see if you aren't doing anything with the number that you have measured for over for a couple of quarters screw that number throw it it means nothing because unless you take action upon a certain data point it's not a data point of any relevance 
Yeah. No, I think a lot of the times the number sort of acts as a moral compass, right? I mean, it's not absolute in the sense that it has to be 15 or 17. And if it is 17, you're, you know, all good. And if it's 15, you should kind of kill yourself, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's not that. I mean, it's, it's just a moral compass to figure if you're on the right direction, if you need to optimize, you need to change some things and so on, right? I think that's my number one sort of pet peeve. You haven't mentioned yours yet. Oh, pet peeve. Oh, there's a bunch of them. I used to hate like uh, morning and evening stand-ups. Nothing in marketing gets done in a day. Like we know this, like, and if you ask anybody in marketing who's been there for a couple of years, hey, did you think a morning and evening stand-up makes sense? This is basically like a noob manager 101 exactly. mistake, right? I don't know what the hell we're going to do. I do morning so stand-ups. Let, let's... Uh, I do morning stand-ups all the time. The morning stand-up is for everybody to just get their heads. There should be like 10 minutes. Hey, what's going on? Okay, great. Okay, let's go on and do our jobs. But... Like if, for example, I, I was speaking to, you know, Sadhna, my head of like content today and she was, she's like, I am working on this. Let's go look at this blog together. It's like massive piece that she's been working on for a while. And we look at it and so on. And we go through her. These are a couple of things we should do. That piece is not going to, you know, come up tomorrow. I can't tell Sadhna, what did you do today? You know, show me what you have done in the evening. That's nonsense. How many words did yeah, you write? Yeah, how many words did you write? Like girl thinking, let her be, right? So I think this takes a little bit of time to understand that sometimes... Stand-ups are useful in the sense when you're going towards a certain goal. Like, for example, if there is a launch of some sort that you're working towards, that's great. Like, let's let's yeah. quantify what you've been doing. Hey, I wasn't able to do anything today. Today is a great metric. You can use that. Okay, um, you know, okay, so I, uh, you haven't done anything today. Where are we? What's left? Let me also help you. That's a great way to sort of like work. However, if you're doing brand marketing stuff that you know will take time, that you know takes a bunch of stuff to like, there's images to do, there's design to do, you know, we have, like, we have some kind of migration going on. What's the point of that evening stand-up? People are working, let them be. Yeah. That's a pet peeve. I think that's a that's a pet peeve that I've sort of broken. I can now because I'm experienced, but yeah. I agree, I agree. So we have maybe three types of stand-ups, right? One is a weekly stand-up for all of marketing. So 20 plus people are informed about what's generally happening, right? What their neighbors are doing, basically. And also you commit in front of the larger team what you will be doing the week forward, right? I mean, so everyone knows uh, as well individual whether it is inside sales or whether it is growth or stuff i mean they may have their individual weekly stand-ups couple of times a week yeah. etc just to realign on things and then we do a project stand-up right which is that hey you know what this customer event is coming up mm. in two months okay we need to have a check-in every yeah. fortnight for example yeah. leading up to the event to just to make sure that all of the pieces are you know coming together right i mean we're we're not gonna have to scramble at the end basically I think that's about the reasonable number, right? I mean, morning, evening stand-ups, it seems crazy. The second pet peeve for me is platforms, man. I just hate paying for platforms. <laughs> I just like look at that uh, LinkedIn expense or, you know, whatever, the amount of money we pay LinkedIn and Google every month. And I just say that, man, yeah. these guys, if there is a way to sort of disrupt that, right? And, and we'll talk about brand and, you know, how that could perhaps uh, be the answer to some of this stuff. But yeah, performance marketing, I feel it's just like an unending sort of a vicious cycle, right? I mean, your cost of acquisition, no matter how amazing your copy is, etc., just goes up by, you know, 15%, 20% every couple of quarters or so, right? And you're just putting down money uh, to just get in front of customers. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, platforms shouldn't earn and obviously they, they solve the discoverability for you, right? I mean, obviously all of that is great, but... I just hate spending so much on platforms. I think that's where we as marketers, that's the opportunity and the challenge. Yeah. 
like in a lot of ways like i i surmounted that problem once this was at wingify we were able to build a very very frugal team but that took manpower and less relying on platforms that's one lesson i learned that you can do this that you don't have to rely on that particular thing but that also because i wasn't great at it unless and until and let me like qualify that unless and until you have a particular advantage in performance marketing that you've built for yourself or that you are working towards then performance marketing can never be that it thing for you like every product every company has that one channel that is their main channel like i always know it's not going to be performance for me performance is an augment like it'll 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 support my other channels when i want it to but i always build other channels that will that will sort of hold up the bulk of it that in push crew when i built that system it was mostly organic like it was almost 70% organic and 30% performance marketing how did i build that i built that through content now that's our challenge as marketers like i was reading um, before i came here actually i was reading michael lewis's flash boys high frequency trading about how traders are looking for that 1 millisecond 2 milliseconds of like speed of the data moving between data centers to okay they know that this is the price at which a certain person is like buying or selling and they use that data in the next 2 milliseconds to buy and sell on other exchanges so that's the advantage they have so therefore they are doing that i am sitting here in like bangalore i don't have that advantage so i will not do high frequency trading same way like what advantage can i bring to the table if i'm doing performance marketing that's a question I, i will ask of myself when i get there like we haven't done any performance marketing now we are early obviously but when we get to that like which will be in 4 5 months from now and we'll get very serious about it i have to ask myself that question Wh- where is the advantage once upon a time the advantage i had was i had the ability to put up serious landing pages this was at pushcrew this was also the case at freshworks but it was not all my team so like other teams have to take the credit we were able to build great seo pages and landing pages which meant that we had an advantage that a certain other company would not have what advantage do i have now i don't know that yet does this segment have that is seo pages the answer is something else the answer i have to figure that out but you don't go in without an advantage otherwise you're just giving money yeah no 100% absolutely uh, agree with that I think it also really depends on you know whether it is a red ocean market whether it is like a blue ocean market you know if you are obviously if you are new to the particular category itself you were creating something uh, that doesn't exist then you know hey what the hell are people really searching for right and you can't really have that deep profound conversation around an insight you've uncovered in 3 seconds of scrolling right or maybe 1 or 2 seconds of scrolling you perhaps have to meet them at an event right you perhaps have to do a webinar etc and you may use performance to sort of tease them you may use performance marketing to sort of complement the other stuff but but that can't be your main thing either right yeah yeah so think of it as a complementary an optimization channel yeah, really yeah, not look at it as okay i put x amount of money i get y amount of leads and yeah i'm just going to yeah. so one of the things that you know we briefly touched upon also right and to escape this whole matrix of performance marketing and dimension and so on is this aspect of brand and i think we are starting to understand that i really feel like in india there are perhaps two or three examples of fantastic brand in saas right maybe zoho freshworks maybe charge be i would add charge be also to that right where they've done some phenomenal work where their mission and their sort of reason for existence right was somehow identified by prospects right i mean they, they, that they stand for more than what they what they're doing right and people buy you because you are that 
like always say right i mean the moment you know someone gets into a comparison on a product level this feature that feature whatever we lost a battle right because hey it's saas tell me what feature you can't build you know right we'll build whatever the hell kind of feature right i mean but you know a lot of decision making in software people don't make rational decisions people mm-hmm. make emotional decisions people make decisions that gives them comfort right i pick software x over y because i'm comfortable with x right i know that i won't get fired tomorrow with x or if shit goes south i can say that look x is the industry standard right i mean i didn't do anything drastically different here so brand building as such right now for an early stage startup you know what are some two or three things that they can do and how do you think about brand building okay so i really liked how you said people are not rational because one of the things that I, like during my mba i was taught in economics 101 was first thing like here the three rules the first rule is like people are rational they take rational decisions pala sir i'm sorry but they don't <laughs> my professor of uh, economics the other thing is i don't think i'm an expert at um, you know that yet there's a long way to go for me to get there but here's what a brand building should be like and i think at least the approach that we are taking and the approach that has been successful for me and and like i have arrived at after thinking and formulation a few things in terms of building a sort of like a pull mechanism of people wanting to know who you are firstly you have to have a point of view and you raise that as you said that there is a certain differentiation that you bring and there is a certain point of view there is a story that you are telling that resonates with that particular audience firstly you have to have that and it has to come from not the marketer because everybody understands that you know a marketer is a marketer so you don't want to listen to them and like you said this just now about like the companies having a mission and a vision statement i think one of the reasons i joined atomic work was because the mission is so clear employee experience is broken let's fix it everybody is frustrated with you know the way that we are like you know wasting time with all of these different tools what is the way to you know sort of solve that is there a new age way to do this we don't know but let's find out that's a great mission i can get behind it and i think a lot of people who are in that problem trying to make that easier for their employees will enjoy it will will understand it so you sort it like i think you caught on to that very very well the mission of what we are trying to do is the first part and that's one of the reasons that you know uh, atomic work was like immediate yes for me because we knew that this is a problem that needs to be solved that's my core kernel of the story that's already it has, there it has to be way more than the marketing yeah. spiel basically and we actually believe in it like that's the thing this right spiel kind of evolves 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 so definitely evolves but the thing is there's a core you want to help in some way you want to solve a certain thing in some so, way so if you are an early stage startup figure you know what is the problem that you're solving and who who are you solving that for yeah. and base your mission around that and that is the starting point for your brand basically yes that's that's exactly it very well put so that's the starting that was the starting point for atomic workers well now what happens when you take that to market now you have to stay with the pull like you have this but why should anybody else care why should your prospect care your prospect should care because you're giving the information and knowledge and for want of a better word a certain kind of utility that they see and say hey this is going to help me do my job better this is going to help me and then you build recall over a period of time you also have to really understand that brand building is very different for a nike and a salesforce we are on the salesforce side we are not on the nike side so we don't need to be like this all encompassing brand that is standing for you know sporting you know greatness that's not what this is about you are here to solve a particular problem and you need and that person needs to look at you the, your prospect and say hey i have a good feeling about this company 
because I've seen so much stuff from them about how they solve this problem. And therefore, they need to come and take action. This sort of recall built over a period of time, and this is this is why one of the reasons that you need to have so many touch points. This is one principle on which the atomic work marketing strategy is based on. People need to see you at different times. By by which I mean nobody takes a marketing decision on, hey, I I looked at this book. This looks great. I'll buy it. Nobody looks at it like that. You tell me, Sai, I read this book. This is great. Okay, you know, we had a conversation, then we went to the food street during Ramzan, then we ate all the came back. That conversation is over. Then somebody else shows me the same book two weeks later. Then I realize, hey, Roshan showed me this book as well. I've seen it three times. The fourth time somebody tells me, I've taken action. I say, this, there must be something going on here. I take. That's how marketing works. So I'm not saying four is the number. I'm just saying. So the number of times you put it in front of them is very, very important. Because, and it shouldn't come from you saying, hey, we are a great product users. Hey, we're a great product users. Somebody they trust need to tell them. And here again, the consistency of the messaging is very important. Exactly. Right? Because if those four people said four different things to you, you'd be a little confused. Like, exactly. So they have to say, if not the exact thing, I mean, they should sort of be in the same universe yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. So a brand is when somebody has a viewpoint that is consistent. What does Nike stand for? Hey, great shoes. What does Sketchers stand for? For example, great running shoes. Like, I don't know. But then there is a difference. Like, here's an equipment company. Here's a shoe company. Like, I think there's a certain difference there. Now, how did that evolve? Like, over a period of time, the message gets drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled in. Apple stands for quality. It's not now. Like, it's for a long time. And that's also why you have to be patient with brand building. That's also why one of the, one of the things we touched upon, Roshan. That's why we also need to start early. You can't be like, once the product is out, hello, take product. We are a great brand. Nobody believes that. We need to be there a lot of time before so that people see it. People have a certain kind of like, you know, recognition of it and then put it in front of them. So among the whole laundry list of things that I would do differently if I had to start all over again. I mean, this is perhaps the top of the list, right? I mean, because I thought so myself that, you know, brand is something that we'll figure when we get to it, right? I mean, it's, it's something that... You know, let me be done with my pipeline stuff. Let me do my growth and all of that stuff. And then we'll figure brand at some point of time. But I'm just realizing that there's just so much of legacy that gets built that you can avoid. Right? Just so much of debt, right? Uh, marketing debt that gets uh, built up in terms of people saying very contrasting things, mm -hmm. not being able to bring people together and so on and so forth. That, you know, figuring out brand when you're a mature or maturing company is just that much more harder, right? And I'm not saying when you start out, you'll know exactly where you want you to be won't. in 5 or 10 yeah. or you know, 15 years time. But you can iterate more meaningfully. And those iteration cycles, if you keep it like frequent enough, I'm not saying, you know, you should do it every quarter. But hey, if you do it even every 18 months, right? If not every year, just ask yourself who you are, what you do, what are we saying about ourselves, etc. It just makes so much sense. So much sense because... Also, the other important thing to keep in mind, right? As you mature as a company, it's just harder to drive consensus. It's just harder to bring five people together in a room. Like today, I mean, if I have to drive consensus on something like this, it'll probably take me a month. No, absolutely. I get Right, because I'll have to get my GM of Asia on board, GM of US on board, right? And then talk to the Japanese team and yada, yada, yada. And you know how it is, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll have to figure all of this stuff out. And it's just so much harder... If you're not in the practice of doing this already. Absolutely. And then so we, like certain people are good at that. Certain people are not good at that. Like you, you also have to be aware of the kind of mental chalangs 
you know, leaps that you have to make to actually get to these things. Okay, here's an idea I have. And ideas are precious things. Like you send it out as a mail to your boss and the boss says, hey, this is a great idea, I want to try it out. And if it takes you like a month to get to the point where you can try it out, by the time you're bored, like something has not happened because of... Yeah, all your priorities have shifted. It's shifted because yeah, suddenly there's like give, appraisal season and somebody's asking you something else. Yeah, you can't give as much energy to it as, uh, as you can, uh, as you could have, right? Yeah. Speaking of Nike, by the way, there's this fantastic movie called Air that is... Yeah, 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 ben I have Affleck to watch it, yeah, I have to watch it. It's a fantastic yeah. movie, man. Everything with respect to this Jordan guy is yeah. just so interesting. I mean, some great examples of marketing and brand building. What are like two or thing, two or three things that come to your mind immediately? I won't be surprised if you say Freshworks. No, like, but but then the thing is, like, the story is told enough. If I had to stick with uh, you know Freshworks once, I think the idea that people should realize from the early days is that we did not know all of these things in the beginning that we were gonna do the things that we did. And Freshworks as a company from the beginning had a certain risk-taking attitude in which we would actually get out there, put ourselves out there a little bit. And like, I'm not like, I can't take credit for any of those things. Like I was just in the room when they happened, mostly. Like I would write something, but yeah, like I was just in the room when most of these things happened. It was just great learning. But the thing was, we were ready to put ourselves out there and it created a certain kind of brand. It created a certain kind of like, you know, aggressive challenger brand. However, one other like, Charge B, uh, neighbors, they use the same office, the same eight room office, uh, uh, eight people office that I told you about. They use that after us. And it's a lucky office, I guess. Like uh, somebody starting up, I'll somebody, tell you. Yeah, exactly. I was, as I was about to st- suggest, right? I mean, we get the address from, uh, you know, from Sai and then perhaps book it. I mean, only two unicorns have come out of it yeah, so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be a third. Yeah, hopefully Atomic Work as well. Like, uh-huh. let's see. So Charge B is a, was in the same space, but... Krish built a very different kind of brand. Very careful, very strong, reliable was the was the messaging they kept sending out over a period of time. And the brand was built slowly, slowly, slowly until it's such a strong brand now. You know, everybody in that ecosystem knows it. So there's no like one size fits all is one of the points that I want to make. Like, you know, Freshworks was like, we, we were out there. We were like, we flew blimps around, like very aggressive. And then charge me, like slowly, you know, very patiently building something for that kind of audience. Because, you know, you're talking to a different kind of audience which wants reliability. And here too, right? I mean, speaking of Freshworks, Chargebee, you know, perhaps Zoho and the rest of them as well, right? There are certain limits to building a cheaper X or a cheaper Y, right? A cheaper Salesforce or a cheaper Zora or whatever it is. I think in order for you to scale to what a charge B has scaled to, to Freshworks has scaled to, you just have to be so much more than that. Yes. I mean, you might have started off as a simpler, more cost-effective alternative to, you know, X or Y product. But then if you want to scale it beyond like, you know, maybe 20 million, 15 million, whatever it is, I think you have to start being so much more than that, right? I mean, you have to invest in your platform, your partner ecosystem, and of course, brand, right? I mean, all of this has to come together so there's just so much of work that goes into it. No, I think we also underestimate the amount of like work and the people who do it. Yeah. Like, you know, for example, like we see Girish. Girish is a very visible CEO. But then the amount of like the team, like I, I know he will give credit, like the teams, like even the normal marketing team, the teams have to sort of like really, really, you know, pull a lot of weight, especially at that early stage. Mm-hmm. After that, sort of like it becomes a certain kind of muscle. The reps come naturally and you build on top of those reps, sure. But then the amount of work that goes into as simple as let's put together a brand that goes to like five or 10 mil 
the amount of like we know this just let's just take a podcast like the atomic work podcast that i do these are serious people that i bring on like you have to like request them to come on and have a certain point of view and you know do the research for it and then sure chatgpt can give you a bunch of questions that's not going to help mm-hmm. because like if they think that you're asking stupid questions they leave these are important people like the next thing is like okay like have we done good by them have we like sent a bunch of questions can we ask them one more can we add a couple more questions here okay you've got this audio back is the audio great okay fine now like are we doing video that's another you know can kind of firms all together you know this now then we edit then we get to a great thing yeah, then we put it out then you have to cut that into bits that's marketing right the it's now this is just one part and the amount of people see i'm not an expert at for example audio editing like i know nothing about it. i'm not a sound engineer so there's one one person looking at it now i say these clips and one of those clips might go awry because i might have thought that this is great point it comes out completely differently so now we have to scrap it and there's something else has to happen all of this is man ours and there's suddenly like suddenly some people are like you know say uh, you know chat gpt can replace a marketer no man what are you talking about like you can't figure that out. like obviously it will make things easier but it's not at the point we can make decisions taste decisions yet and a lot of marketing we've spoken about this is about taste aesthetics yeah absolutely let's move on from this to let's say a young marketer right uh, someone who is going to join an early stage marketing team he or she is perhaps the first or second marketer in the team what should they look out for what are some two or three pieces of advice that you would offer for these people to be immediately effective because i think the operating phrase is immediately effective right yeah. because i think founders bring on marketers and expect 100 leads the next yeah, yeah 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 pretty much yeah i don't envy early stage marketers i mean like i have a bit of experience and you know i i think my boss trusts me i think he does so then you have a certain amount of like leeway like leverage and you can say hey vijay no i don't think this is how what you're doing it give me the chance give me a couple of months like let me try to solve this so you have that leverage but when you're also learning on the job and you're also being pressurized from a couple of um you know different angles i think you're stuck i think i would be petrified and especially when you're when you're dealing with people who like who have experience you know who are more accomplished than you you want to please you want to do the work but sometimes you just don't know how to so one way in which i would like give advice is firstly this is something that i did not do because i don't have that chance at all and i did not know I, like i was not very serious at that time as well it took it took like 2 3 years for me to get serious about work and life as well i would get a mentor really quickly part of the reason that i write my newsletter is because when i was a, a young marketer nobody told me shit roshan man it was so difficult like uh, the thing is like i didn't even know the opportunities that were there right in front of me i could now when i think about hey i should have done that that's great to do but i didn't even know like how how do you see something that's not in your vocabulary it, it doesn't exist so the first thing is try to get a mentor you know whom you can trust who's on your side and preferably someone not in your organization and that will help a lot who's been there done that yeah yeah and you can't trust everybody you can't have like uh, everybody's not going to be that mentor you want so you got to have like yeah. you got to like feel for it but then once you have that person i think that will change a lot of things for you like later in my career i found somebody who i could talk to about life in general and not so much about like marketing but life and career that helped me a lot that's one thing the other thing is like you know become a better writer even with like chat gpt and so on a lot of marketing like a whole lot of marketing is about narrative almost like 60 to 70% of marketing and brand building is about aesthetics taste and narrative 
read and write as much as you can even if it's marketing stuff i don't really care like uh, it's not like you got to read like salman rushdie or something but like read as much as you can if even if that means like only marketing stuff that you find in articles and so on just don't go towards clickbait see if you can read like a 5000 word article without losing interest see how you can deconstruct that and reconstruct that for something that you're doing and you'll be fine and study the craft yeah study the craft figure how yeah. they've used those words in what sequence etc to get that effect out of you right yeah. make you feel a certain way yeah very good points and i think the importance of working with a founder who kind of understands marketing mm-hmm. right i mean it's just like unsaid but that's super important mm-hmm. but sadly i would say less than perhaps 20 30% of the founders around will understand truly have been marketers earlier and uh, yes. kind of understand right so which means i think the first order of business for you as a marketer joining an early team would be to earn your founder's trust right because default i think your founder is your cmo until the time yes. perhaps you hire a cmo you know pre ipo or whatever it is until that time your founder is default cmo i don't care if you are svp of marketing whatever i think those decisions are going to be driven by your founder and it's very very important to earn their trust i've never seen it work out when the founder thinks a certain way about marketing and you know your head of marketing or whoever has come on board has a slightly divergent view right so i think the first piece of business is to figure out what are the two or three expectations that or maybe one core expectation that mm. you know your founder has for marketing and just solve for that even if it's something that you don't truly believe in or perhaps you think that you should deprioritize just close your eyes just uh, shut your mind off like a horse with blinders solve that one thing because that will really get you to do so much more right because having these ideological fights in the beginning yeah, yeah, just yeah. just like drains uh, a great point it's a great point and uh, nobody really benefits from that so that that is my one piece of advice i would add to what sai mentioned sai will have to talk about your newsletter man the cmo journal i am so envious uh, you've been at it for 3 years which is fantastic right and uh, you know 5000 plus subscribers you put out almost every week or yeah like three times a month three times a month right what keeps you going and what's your writing process like what keeps me going is that one as i said like i realized uh, very early that it was like i didn't know stuff and i don't want like everybody who's young and starting out in like software marketing to sort of be like oh i'm lost I- i'm not saying that the the journal is like sort of the end all of it but it gives you like some frameworks to think about marketing uh, when you when you're early and i've written a lot of stuff that's aimed directly at young marketers i think that sort of is uh, i think what i really like about the cmo journal is that it's so far removed from all of these hacks and principles and maybe principles are fine but you know the hacky way of doing things right four ways to fix your website seo or like that's not 14 it. ways to rank you know in some particular for keywords or whatever it is i think it's a lot to do with hey person x or company x is doing this abstract away from that and then talk about what they're doing right mm-hmm. i think that is something that's really valuable because i think a lot of us would have seen the campaigns perhaps seen on narrative etc but you're analyzing what that is like technically like that really is very valuable because yeah. i can now apply that to like four other things right i can connect the dots basically yeah thank you i think that's certainly part of it like one way in which i think about it is that the only way that i know how to think is to write mm-hmm. i am not just writing for anybody like though i am it's also about i'm writing for myself too sometimes i will not know the articulation of a principle that i have imbibed unless i write it down 
So a lot of the writing is actually to me, you know, that I know this and so on. So how do I like land up on the topics? One is like when I'm like, I take a lot of walks, like I take like hour long, two hour long walks in the morning sometimes. And when I do that, like I'm constantly thinking, sometimes it's listening to one podcast and then I stop and then I think about, and mostly I take notes about what I have thought about during that. And I immediately take notes. Okay. Uh, it's like just a WhatsApp, uh, you know, sometimes I take like a voice note. Uh, here's what I've thought about and so on. So what that does is I have these ideas about, not about the writing itself, but about marketing ideas. So then I come and like look up what this is. If it corresponds to something that is my experience and so on, then I have like a narrative that forms. It's mostly, as you say, I am not interested in how exactly a certain something you can go and do it. No, I'm not interested in that. Like you can figure it out. That's not very difficult. There's a bunch of content around it. What I'm interested in is the top-down view of why would you do X or Y when all these other approaches are available for you? It's not about approaches, not just about approaches. It's also about, for example, if you're doing, constructing a certain narrative. I can give an example. Here's how Apple does it. Now, as you say, you can take that and say, okay, this is how Apple does narrative. Can I do three things in the next three months that will get me there? It's a, that's an easier way to do it because Gyan is not useful so much. Like sometimes this, uh, people will ask you, can I do SEO in this way? It's not useful because companies are different. What works for Vimo will not work for Atomic Work and what works for Atomic Work will not work for Vimo. And so people don't realize that. And that's why these frameworks need to be out there. The other thing is the writing is always hard, man, Roshan, you know this. What is that? Uh, I think it's Bukowski or someone who said, right? Writing is easy. You just uh, stare at a piece of paper and, yeah, yeah. you know, wait until... And you bleed. Drops, Drops of blood yeah. uh, you collect bleed. on your forehead yeah, yeah, yeah. or something And you like bleed. That. Yeah. Yeah, could be Bukowski. I'm not sure. So, yeah, it's true. Like, uh, but it's like, obviously, I'm not like going to say that I'm like Bukowski or something. But that, the thing is, it's just tough. Because, one, you don't want... Like, I, like I haven't used ever any GPT, GPT for like writing this. The reason is that the point is that I want to write because I want to learn. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm going to use something, like it, that's not the point. The point is not sending something out. The point is the construction of it, the, the ideas that come through. And so they are written over a period of time sometimes because like one idea sits in like a draft for a while mm -hmm. until another story or another something comes to corroborate it. So a lot of articles that you see might have been written like months ago yeah. and I haven't constructed them in a way that I know that it's, see, it also has to be entertaining. I'm talking to sometimes, for example, a 23-year-old, 24-year-old market is reading it. They don't have time for your nonsense, right? They have like stuff to do, uh, you know. Yeah. They have uh, Instagram reels to catch Yeah. Up. So the thing is you have to, yeah, that too. Like I'm not on Insta, so I wouldn't know. But then the thing is like, if that is, if that is what you have, you need to also entertain them. They, they should be educated, sure, but you also need to entertain them. So it also needs to be fun. So all of that is going into the picture. It's I'm also learning. Um, it's also good for me. But yeah, that's 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 the. I think writing helps you work things out in your head, man. I mean, I think you have all of these half-formed ideas all the time. At least I do. And writing just clarifies that uh, process, just way beyond the craft itself, right? I mean, I think writing is thinking. Yeah, it is. I have often really admired the equation you have with work itself, right? As a like a working exec as such. You don't hustle hard. I mean, it's very, very different from the typical startup culture that you have, right? I mean, maybe due to the Pondicherry rules or whatever <laughs> it is, right? You don't hustle super hard, but at the same time, you spend a lot of time thinking through things, right? Which is also very unusual because startups are all about doing mm. stuff. And you have these, interestingly, we were talking about it just before we started recording, right? These separations between work and other parts of your life as such, right? 
for the young professionals listening to it what is this work life balance like and is there a balance or is like a work life assimilation or integration yeah i'll try to answer the first thing that you said first in in sense like i work very hard but it's not the work that people think work looks like for example i i told you about the walks every single time that i'm listening to or i'm having like a conversation with a mentor or another marketing friend i'm thinking through atomic work problems hey we are having this what should i do here like here are these options here are this my job is not just doing them like that i know how to do like you can sit for like 2 hours and like construct like a like you know a funnel chan- uh, like couple of like blogs can be written you know things can be put out that that's not the job the job is putting it all together like as head of marketing that's my job my job is as you said the consistency that's the core part of what i'm also trying to achieve now do we have all the answers to do that not yet atomic work is early but then there is all of these things need to be you know put in your mouth chewed upon and then figure and you, you need to see whether you want to swallow or not so the thing is startup sometimes you always have this like the word of hustle right I, i'm i'm not sure that the hustle is the correct representation of hard work that we need to be doing as startups i think a lot of things that we should be doing should be in our heads first and then we should go and like sort of like experiment because we know how to do that we know how to run experiments yeah which is not to say that you take a you know 3 months to run a campaign or something yeah yeah it's just that you know if you can even spend 3 hours of time like really thinking through stuff right and not just putting words on a page and then you know clicking send we spoke about this just before i i told you take performance marketing it will take me a laptop and 5 minutes to run an ad that's not the point the yeah. i am thinking what advantage do i have so that that as we spoke so that that ad is more powerful so that ad is able to give us way more than anything else that's the job no i think in general and a couple of thoughts about this right one is that in general i think we optimize way more for efficiency and way less for genius right and efficiency also being measured in terms of you know per output right how much output do you put out per time basically which is not really the best measure of anything really right and you have to optimize for genius which is how many absolutely great yeah. things you did over yes. a period of a quarter yeah. or two quarters absolutely. uh things that you are proud of right things that you will be talking about i don't know maybe like 3 years later 4 years later absolutely and uh, if i look back at like the last 5 years or so maybe i can think of single digit instances of stuff that i know i'll be talking about it like you know 5 years from now 10 years from now right absolutely. so that is something that i think you have to optimize for because i think human beings are not like machines yeah. we can't clock out like x amount of you know mm-hmm. stuff every day you know we have our ebbs and flows and you have to kind of respect that and you know those the ebbs as such is building up to something yeah, yeah. basically well, funny you say that though like i was speaking to uh, sidhu ponappa oh he's yeah he's great he's amazing dude i mean uh, he is the guy for anything work related like how to work absolutely so i had like really uh, good conversation with him for atomic conversations like plug but uh, the atomic work podcast but the thing is like one thing he said was sai you can't open up creativity like we are knowledge workers you can't be like here's like turn up the table at 9 o'clock here you know yeah. start creating like that's not going to happen like that's not how creativity works right i found that i hadn't thought about it like that i was like oh this is great the other thing about like you know work life integration that you said i don't think especially as marketers you have a choice and we this with engineers sometimes because you know here's like a bunch of code you've pushed it obviously things will come back to you but you close on the laptop like you're obviously still like going through certain problems in your head but unless your hands are on the laptop again like you're not coding you can you're like you you're certainly thinking however with marketers like it's that's not the case like it's switched on all the bloody time yeah 
And it's not something you can run away from. I think as marketers, you have to sort of embrace that. Actually, the, like really good conversation I had with uh, Vijay only once. You know, he was talking about uh, what what other, it was somebody else as well as Vijay. And they asked, Sai, why don't you do X or Y? I'm saying because this consumes me. Like I, I remember I saw this great ad in Hyderabad for three BHK flats and they called it double XL flats. And I found the copy brilliant. And I was like, you want to say it's a bigger flat than most. That's that's what you want to say. Like how how creatively do you say it? And they landed up at this. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I took photographs and I was talking about it to my wife. And that's the example I gave Vijay. Like this is what you're enamored by. You look at this and you're thinking, wow, this is great. So when you have that going on, like for I, another example, I was, I travel to Kodakan all the time because it's closer. So my friends, that's sort of our like getaway place. There is a drink that you get only around Madurai, Dindigal and those areas. It's called Tovino. I think I've had Tovino. Yeah, you've had Tovino. Yeah. I'm still the Tovino generation. <laughs> <laughs> so its tagline is, and you only find it there, right? You can't find it elsewhere. Its tagline is slaps the South into you. And I'm like, this is great, man. <laughs> Who comes up with this? Right? I'm like, this is exactly it, right? This is great marketing. So you're consumed by, so you, somebody else looks at that. It's not stored away in your head for future use. My brain is like, it's that's what it's attuned to. You're a, market, yeah. you're a marketer, you're a marketer all the time. You can't escape that. And so that's why I think one of the things that you have to do is find some way or some other outlet that you have that is not switches your you know brain on all the time i've had this problem like two three years ago i had to like talk to people about it because you know the brain was always switched on i still had to like tell my mentor that this is something that's happening to me you know it happened even like a month ago i had to talk to him about it one way in which i cope is like i take my motorcycle out and like i go for like long rides one reason i do it is because when you're on a motorcycle your brain has to switch off from everything else like uh, when you're on a motorcycle on a highway, especially in Karnataka, like you need, your eyes need to be on the road <laughs> because the roads are not great. So what that does is it switches off everything else. You're in there in the moment. And so try to do something like that. And I think that will free up your headspace. Yeah. I think what I have also learned the uh, hard way is that you have to exercise a different part of your brain, right? You exercise a different part of your brain when you're coming up with ad copies versus perhaps when you're doing reps in the gym versus uh, when you're playing a sport versus when you're swimming versus when you're doing some martial arts versus when you're talking to children versus when you're talking to your you know grandmother or something of that sort right i think these are very different parts of your brain and uh, the problem is i i see that you know there is this zone and we keep stimulating that same zone of our brain you know whether it is with work or with entertainment with entertainment i really had to like stop watching all these convoluted English uh, know, series man. and all of yeah, this, right? Get into that stuff. You know, somebody is sleeping with someone and then that person is somebody's sister and they are married to someone. Worse than our Hindi it's soaps, man. Yeah, yeah, hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up, right? I mean, I just completely switched to, you know, these uh, Tamil or Malayalam uh, movies. You know, boy meets girl romances and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can follow problems. this stuff like we're 90s kids. I can follow. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah this works. And, and the stuff gets over in like 90 <laughs> minutes or... Who am I kidding? Not 90 minutes, maybe like two and a half hours, yeah. right? It gets over in that time and yeah, you can, you know, you feel nice about it. But yeah, I think you'll, you'll have to figure different sort of uh, things, right? That kind of uh, stimulate various parts of your brain, I think. Sai, one final question. I know you are like a voracious reader, right? What are some books, blogs, podcasts, etc. that you would recommend to our audience? Give us your top three or something. Yeah, so I think that Seth Godin's This Is Marketing is sort of the Bible of modern marketing. I think 
everybody who's in marketing should have a copy and read it. That's one. There's a lot of concepts in there that, that you will apply every day. Uh, and you can see like a lot of things that I will speak about. You, you can say, oh, this is where I got it from. It's, it's that evident. But a lot of things that you have arrived at also will be there. So it, yeah. it gives you words for the stuff. Validates that you know. your stuff. Yeah. Rory Sutherland's Alchemy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. That's a great. Do you have that book? Yeah. yeah. That, that was here around. Again, here. get a copy, keep it on a table. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps one of those books that I've gifted to the most number of people, I think. The most gifted book yeah. for me. Yeah. And in terms of career, there's one other book, uh, Cal Newport, So Good They Can't Ignore You. It's a great book. I think uh, about like four or five years into my career, like I was very confused about what I should be doing and all of that. And that book sort of solved my problems for me. And it, very few books can do that, like right out the bat. It's not, it's not possible. It, it's such a great book. I think more people should read it. I mean, you can get it on the Kindle. You don't need to keep it on a table. You can read it once. What else? Like... There's a, like if it's fiction, there's a book called The Illicit Happiness of Other People by Manu Joseph's book. Of course, the man. Great book. I think that's a novel I'd recommend right out the bat. It's, there's a book called The Island of a Thousand Mirrors by Naomi Munavira. It's a slightly older book, but really good about, you know, the Sri Lankan conflict. Yeah. So I think that's, should be like about like fiction, general non-fiction, anything Michael Lewis, Gladwell. Yeah. All right. So with that, we come to the end of the podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for making the time and really appreciate it. You are one person who's always interesting to me. I mean, you have a very different perspective with uh, some of the things that we talk about. And I keep learning from you every conversation I have. Likewise, Roshan, thank you so much for having me. Eh? Thank you for joining me on this episode of Supermarketers. Before I let you go, please do help the podcast reach more people by sharing it and rating us on your favorite podcast app. If you have suggestions for guests on the show, please reach me on Twitter or LinkedIn, or you can email me at sairamkrishnan at outlook.com. Of course, any feedback is welcome. And yes, do remember to subscribe. Supermarketers is brought to you by Social Pilot and created and hosted by me, Sairam Krishnan. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>